Thank you, Rob. Uh, I, imagine you are in your home doing whatever it is you do, and your spouse comes in through the door says, you, you're, you have no idea what just happened. Come on. Now, you live in a small village. It's one of those villages where you, you walk outside and see other houses and then the stores down the street. And uh, you, you know that something crazy is happening as soon as you walk outside. I'll never forget when that hurricane hit uh, Houston. I lived about three hours from Houston. Was it Rita? Rita hit Houston? Anyway, uh, hurricane hit Houston. I lived about three hours from Houston. I walked outside and smelt salt water. I thought, oh, that can't be good. And it wasn't. But you, you can almost sense when something crazy is happening. Um, I, I notice it in, uh, in, in the church building here. I'm looking at all of you while you, all of you are looking at me. And, and someone can come through that door, a ninja. A stealthy, stealthy ninja can come in that door and half of you are like, what happened? You just know when something in the room, the atmosphere in the room shifts. You just know there's a kid's being crazy in the back. You know when that's happening. And you walk out, your out of your house and you, you, you feel people are rushing past you. So other people's husbands have told their wives and other people's wives have told their husbands and they're all heading down to the main area of town where everyone gathers. See, what had happened was a, a man who had been lame, not like the way the kids say it now, but he couldn't walk. A man who couldn't walk, who had been begging for a long, long time, sitting at the gate, and then you find out later, as the story goes, that this guy who used to follow Jesus around, but after Jesus died, uh, and some people say he came back to life, but you don't know if that's true. You, this, guy, this guy named Peter was walking in and healed this man. The, the man was asking him just for money. And Peter said, like a good minister, said, I don't have any money. I just, but what I have for you is more. Than, than what money can buy. And he heals him. He picks him up and another guy's walking. And every, no one knows what to do. Typically when things don't go as we planned, whether they're good or bad, we don't know how to react. I remember one time in a choir concert, no one looked shocked that I was in choir just now. Uh, at a choir concert, I was standing there singing my little heart out. And the girl behind me um, started to fall. Parent, okay, you don't know. Maybe you don't know this. Don't lock your knees when you're standing in front of people. If you lock your knees long enough, you will faint. It's weird, and the choir teacher always told us this: don't lock your knees. We don't. We don't want any percussion heads, you know, just on the ground. So this girl behind me locked her knees. And I felt the force coming. And so I did what any good Christian high school student would do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I 
Because I wanted, I didn't want it to be the day Benjamin got tackled in a choir concert. You never know what to do whenever, like, some, when something crazy is happening, you're just there trying not to, trying try not to let it just be, be the one jerk that ruins it. And people come running to Peter. They come running to the disciples, and this man is, is, is holding on to them, the Bible says. He's, he's holding them, saying, thank you. Sometimes the way we tell the stories is that the people get healed, and then they go, oh, well, good day, sir, and then they leave. But it's crazy to watch somebody get healed. He was, he was there every day. He was a staple, begging, trying to get money for food and his family. He didn't, couldn't work, needed help. And people would come and they would give him their, their spare change. Some people would, would um, budget out the money that they were going to give to the beggars that day because the beggars couldn't work. They were lame. And so G, P, Peter comes in and he heals him and everyone is dumbfounded. This man's hugging them and everyone comes running. That's right where our story picks up. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? I have an answer. Because he wasn't walking and now he can. I don't care how many times you see that. That's surprising. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if our, by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? Now that is the statement that we need to hold on to. Paul says, why do you think, why are you looking at us like we're that good? Why are you looking at me like I'm the one who did this? By our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. I love what Peter does here, but I rarely love it enough to do it myself. I would, I would rather, in a lot of situations, and maybe you're like me, just the instinct is to take credit for the thing you just did. For the good thing you did. For whether, whether you were being generous or maybe you were um, being, you know, maybe you healed a guy. Who knows? But maybe you did something fantastic or you worked really hard. John asked David and Jenny to stand up for VBS. And they, they um, did an exercise move I've never seen. It was a one-quarter one, one lift off the chair and get back down quickly. He knew that was going to happen. When he asked them to stand up, I knew they ain't standing all the way up. Because, I don't know, 
They just they did it because they love kids. And they love this church and they work with this church. And there, there's a part of them that's like, ah, okay. I, I, once, uh, I was once uh, starting a ministry, not here. But when my first, the first time I ever was the official preacher of a church, and that was me. You know, that was the guy. The, the, old, the, the old preacher, and I say old preacher because he was old. And, but the previous preacher before me uh, was a great guy named Dale. And he, loved, like he, he thought it was a beautiful occasion that he was going to speak. He was going to give half the sermon and I was going to get half the spur. And we were going to like pass the, 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 wand, the baton off. And I hated it. Like I, I did not want it to be like, hey everybody, today's the most wonderful day because this new preacher's here and it, I, I'm not a pomp person. I'm fine with circumstances, but pomp really bothers me. I don't, I don't like it. And, but, but if, 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 someone, if, I, if someone says, hey, you're, that's fantastic or you did a good thing, sometimes my instinct is to go, you know what, yeah. I was raised right. Have you ever heard that? There's some weird little statements in there. I was... My, my parents taught me the difference between right and wrong. Most parents do that. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. Yeah. <laughs> this sermon is remixed by the baby in the back. Yes. I should just quit now, shouldn't I? But we, we, Paul, Peter did an amazing thing, and people, people's instinct was they were was to say, "Hey, what did you do?" And he said, "I did nothing." It wasn't, and he could have even said, "Hey, Jesus taught me to do this. It's pretty cool, huh?" No, Peter wasn't a wasn't willing to take any. Any credit for this. He wasn't willing to say that he was the one doing it or he was the he, he, he didn't even he didn't even hint that he was the, the powerful one. He said, I you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By the faith by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you can all see, God did this. We must use our opportunities wisely because we're not healing people. I, I'm not. I, mean, I, I don't want to speak for all of us. But most of us aren't healing anybody. Probably all of us. And we, have, we, we could take a lot of credit for that. But now we're, we're, our, our opportunities are few and far between where people point to us and say, that was a good thing. And you say, let me tell you about Jesus who died and is resurrected. We've got to start using our opportunities to speak to the glory of God. We've got to start taking whenever people say we're doing a good thing. We, we've got to learn to hate that. We have got to learn to stop enjoying 
the praise of others and start glorifying the God who gives us something to, to be praiseworthy. And it all boils down to whether or not you think you're the main character of this story or God is. Are you the primary character of your story or is God the primary character of the story? And you're just sort of a secondary role playing. God, um, or Peter, knew his role in God's story. When I was in high school, my role on the basketball team was to, to not mess up for three minutes while someone else got a break. That was my role. I was really bad at that. It, I, 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 for some reason, there's a lot of reasons behind it, but I just, I just, I'd get in the game and I'd panic and I wouldn't be good. And sometimes when I'm, I'd go, be going back to the bench, my coach would look at me like, you couldn't give me three minutes without just completely ruining things? He was tired. He needed a break. Couldn't give me three minutes. That's what it felt like. You had some, and I, there was no way I was going to be the star. And there was no way that, um, that, that we are going to be the stars in our life either. You, you, you have a role. And your role has been given to you by God. And your role can be used to point to God. Your role can be used to point to the things that, um, that, that God did for you. I've, I can talk. What a silly gift I have. But we can glorify God with that. Maybe, maybe you're, you're super helpful in other ways or you're, you're really good at cooking or you're really good at fixing cars or you're really good at this or that. What, whatever it is that is your gift, use it for the glory of God. You don't ever want anyone thinking great of you when they had a chance to think great of God. Peter says, it is by faith in the name of Jesus this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. It's not from me, it is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see, God has done it. It's going to be 60 years from now. 60 years from now, well, 60 years, I might still be alive 60 years from now. But 100 years from now, People won't remember my name. I'll have grandkids and they'll know me really well, but their kids will have to ask their parents what my name actually was. I'll be gone. Now, that's fine. I don't need that. Now, also, in my generation, my grandkids will say, well, come all over here to YouTube. I'll show you him singing Adele. <laughs> and they'll say, that was him? Yeah, that was him. Oh, no. No wonder no one likes me. But there, there, 
eventually, eventually, like, people forget our names. We, we are all replaceable. We all, <laughs> evidenced by the fact that we will all be replaced. And so why don't we give glory to the one who can't be replaced? Why do we take it and hold the praise of other people in this broken vessel instead of giving it to the one who can keep it? Peter knew that from the get-go. Peter could have been so famous. But he instead chose to make Jesus famous, make Jesus the name that was on his mouth. The name that came from his greatness. I'm sure you're great at something. You're probably great at something. What are, what are you doing? How are you using that to glorify what God, or glorify God and to tell other people what God has done for you? You don't have to know your Bible. You don't have to know your Bible to talk about Jesus. You have to know your Bible to talk about your Bible. But not about Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. He died on the cross for us as a sacrifice. And he rose on the third day. So I follow him as king. There we go. That's all you know. Is Jesus king? Yes. Why? Because he was resurrected. How did he die? On a cross. Done. I live this way because Jesus lived and died and rose again for me. That's it. That's the only message you have to know to share with other people. When people say, I, listen, I'm just, I just don't know enough about the Bible. What will people say if I tell them about Jesus? What will they say? Oh, no. They might say something. Really, we're afraid of things people say. I can, I can say words and nobody feels pain. Now, they might talk bad about you, but they just talk. Sticks and stones may break my bones. But words, words can't hurt you. And even if they... Bones heal. Even if they do pick up a stone. Very unlikely. What'd you say? Come here. That, that's not going to happen. Our fear is, is spurred on by the fact that we don't want people to think ill of us. We're still lifting ourselves up. Hoping to have some sort of excellent reputation where people, you know, I'm, he's the cool preacher or whatever. Oh, they're, yeah, they're a Christian, but they're not one that'll, that'll like really push Jesus on you. Oh. So we just part time now? Or should we be using everything we've got in our tool belts to help other people find the kingdom of God? I think it's worth it. And you've got to decide whether it's... <coughs> One, real. And if it's real, it's worth it. But if it's not all that real to you, there's a good chance it's sort of just sort of this secondary thing that you do. And I'll take all the glory for me. But you could use, you could use your gifts to point to God. 
and impact generations. There will be people who believe in Jesus and not know your name. That should be the goal of your life. Is that a hundred years from now, there are people who believe in Jesus and they don't know my name. But they believe in Jesus because I spoke about him to their great-grandparents. And so I will constantly have on my lips the name of God, the resurrection of Jesus, and the kingship that I am trying to follow. We've got to start taking the wonderful moments in our life. You know, sometimes preachers can kind of get cynical about this, and they'll watch watch, uh, athletes on TV score a touchdown, and they'll say, you know, I'd, I'd, like, to thank, I'd like to thank God for this because I couldn't do any of this without God. I'm like, I worship that God, and I still can't do any of that. <laughs> it seems unfair, right? But they're using a moment, and they're not, probably not, the, the, like, God wasn't rooting for the patriots. God most certainly is never rooting for the Patriots. <laughs> God's not rooting for a team to win the Super Bowl, but when someone wins the Super Bowl, or when someone does, wins a gold medal, or when someone earns a Nobel Peace Prize, and they say, I want to thank God for this, they're having more courage than we often do when we do the great things and then don't point to God. I don't care if it's like not complete, not a complete understanding. Like you don't, people don't have to pass a theology test to talk about God on TV. And let's not get cynical about those people, but let's learn from them that I, I can, I can talk about God in my workplace in public. Peter healed a person and could have gotten credit for it and chose not to. People were ready to just say, what did you do? I did nothing. I want to repeat to you guys, I did nothing. God did everything. I did nothing. And so when this church grows, when this church succeeds, when this church is, um, is learning, whenever, whatever good that happens in this church, it's not because of the elders It's not because of me. It's not because of the deacons. It's not because of the women around here who do mostly everything. It's it's because God is good. This church is growing because of God. This church is growing because of, of what God has done. And that God and because of the Spirit of God, we are we are I think we're a good church. I like y'all. I don't have to. Trust me, I know, I've talked to other ministers. Ministers do not have to like their congregations. It's actually kind of rare in my experience. I like you guys. You're good, but all the things that God is doing good in this place, God is doing. It ain't Benjamin, it's not Eddie, it's not Todd. Might be Johnny, but he's not here to ask. (laughs) It is. It is none of that. It's we're just we're so lucky to get to do what God would have us to do. So let's continue to give God the glory while we do it. God is moving. Let's get on board.
And once we're on board, let's never take credit for the movement God gives us. But always give glory to the one who is moving. If you want to get on board with the movement of God, if, if what Peter says is Jesus, Jesus died, on the, died on the cross and rose again, if you believe that and haven't given your life to it, today's the day. Please come forward while we stand and while we sing. Hear the sweet voice.